and it said, I am going to keep resisting the fact that I deserve to forgive myself. And it had crossed out keep resisting. So what was left was I am going to forgive myself. And I mean, ultimately that to me is what comparisonitis and judgment and shame is all about is like not forgiving yourself and not thinking that you're worthy of more. Yeah. And you just interrupt those thoughts and be like, no, I'm worthy of more. I forgive myself. It's okay for me to feel shitty about this and, and, and still be moving forward and evolving because you can't go backwards. Life gives you two choices when it throws everything at you. You can let it swallow you whole or you take those lemons And as the old saying goes, you turn it into sweet, delicious lemonade. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Welcome to Lemonade. I'm your host, Elizabeth O'Neill, and I'll be sharing the incredible stories from inspiring people who've turned the hardest times in their life, their lemons, into lemonade. Because we all want to know how they did it, the lessons they learnt, and what life is like sipping limoncello on the other side. Let's get juicing. Monique Barry, welcome to the Juice 2021. It's July. We thought it would be January, but better late than never, I suppose. How are you? I'm good. I feel like so excited to record this episode because we have just been kind of talking about this and planning this for a little while. And I have been think- texting you at 10 30 at night, like, <laughs> let's do this tonight. Yes, let's do yes. This today. You actually did that last night. I know. I'm so happy to be here. This is just so exciting. I didn't know for a little while there if the podcast would ever be back, but look at you in front of me over Zoom, ready mm. to discuss some meaty mm. subjects. It's all happening again. And I feel like it's, it's happening crazy. again. And we're like even more ourselves than ever before so hopefully the recording will be even better i don't know i think so i I was listening to an old (laughs) yes i was listening to an old one we did yeah where our careers really evolved doing comeback (laughs) yes that's how i feel i feel like john farnham i was listening to an old one we did a a few months ago and i'm like we would have so much more interesting things to say now so yeah. Are we going to just do this next year? Anyway, Ramble, we are changing up the format for the juice this mm-hmm. year. I want to say this year, but it's we're making like, it juicier. We are I'm making it juicier. Like co hosting here. But you are. You are the co host of the juice. Um, yeah. yeah, we're changing up. The, we're changing up the vibe. What we're going to do is we have found, oh God, what is it? Around 50 different questions. Really? Yeah meaty i keep using that word vulnerable questions <laughs> can you stop saying meaty? in the word meaty i know i don't even eat meat it's so weird <laughs> and um we are going to we're drawing them at random and we're going to ask each other these really vulnerable questions to try and i don't know coax i think stuff out of one another that probably we wouldn't even bring to the bring to our consciousness bring to the surface had we not been directly asked like this so mm-hmm. um yeah that's going to be the new format and we reckon it's going to be pretty good we hope it's going to be pretty good uh if it goes <laughs> well, to we air, it's good we yeah like to <laughs> if you listen if you're listening to what i'm saying right now it means that we finished recording and liked it so it must have mean meant that we thought it was all right so yeah that's what we're doing this 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 month how at this month how are you feeling I'm feeling like so good about it. I'm, I'm a little, some of the, some of the questions are pretty scary. Yeah. And I hope you get some of them because I'm like, I know exactly what she's going to say. <laughs> I'm really nervous. A lot of them. Even just like, they're, they're very vulnerable, some of them. So um, hopefully we get some today, but 
I'm going to be picking out some questions for Bam. Bam. We've got like a random generator thingy. Mm-hmm. Dumped mm-hmm. the questions in there and she's going to be picking some for me. So there go. what if you get a question and I'm jealous and I want to answer it. If I'm like, you know, when someone, you, you know when the teacher puts it. their hand up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm just gonna you can like, fight I'm, me for I'm it. answer for this one. All right. Do you want to go first? Without further ado, let's do it. Okay. All right. You do. All right. You Shall ask me ask a question. You? I'm going to ask you first. I'm going to draw. Okay. Random just generator. Going to sniff my peppermint oil. <laughs> <laughs> you got to like this. Getting that peppermint high. Oh, okay. Are, are you ready? Yes. Are you more emotionally stable when you're single or in a relationship? <laughs> <laughs> oh god neither no i can't okay am i more, more emotional okay <sighs> look it's hard for me to answer that i don't know and i will answer it because that's the whole point of this podcast and it would completely defeat the purpose of our episode if i didn't <laughs> so i will answer it i the last my last relationships, the last one I was in was in 2018 for the entirety of that year. It is now mid 2021 and I haven't been in a relationship since then. I think, so there's two parts to answering this question. I think the Elizabeth now would be a lot more emotionally secure and I would be a, uh, my capacity to communicate and to express my needs and my desires and my wants and the things that are, are bothering me or the things that are triggering me or recognizing when it's kind of past things coming back um, into my pr- clouding my present. I would be a lot more, I'd be a lot better at articulating. I think, I don't know. I haven't had to test this yet. Um, but when I look back, especially like if I look back to my last two significant relationships, the first being the person I was supposed to marry, um, that Elizabeth was not uh, emotionally sound. That Elizabeth was not doing too well. Um, that Elizabeth was, you know, on the receiving end of pretty horrendous emotional abuse and was battling really. And I, um, a lot of that behavior when I look back was really troubling. A lot of the things I did to try and keep the peace, um, you know, I I did a lot of the the fawning um, trauma response, which if you're not sure what that is, I suggest looking it up. But fawning is kind of like making sure that the person that is, I guess, inflicting pain on you is happy at all times. Because if you're trying to fawn and you're trying to keep them happy and you're trying to um, uh, mitigate any risk of them blowing up, um, your life is spent kind of yeah, keeping them happy, keeping them comfortable, making sure he's fed, making sure he has coffee, making sure that, you know, the ch- children are quite more. Well, I only had one child. What making sure my child is quiet. So it doesn't bother him too much. Um, trying to lessen the impact of any kind of abuse, I suppose. Um, so when I look back at that, I couldn't, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't um, operating out of an emotionally, stable and emotionally secure environment whatsoever. Um, And then when I then look at the relationship that I had following that, which was eight months later, I look at a lot of the things I did in that relationship and it was me and I was just basically not ready for a relationship, but I I dove into one thinking that Mm -hmm. that dived, dove, dove into one thinking that that was going to save me and fix me and help me and rescue me from my pain. Um, And I was completely avoidant. You know, it was all about me 
I expected everything he did. You were so avoidant with him. Yeah. I expected him just to fix me and love me and to focus on me and my problems. And whenever there there was no room for him in his life and whenever he came to me with anything that um, was wrong in his life or, or that he wanted, you know, just support from your loved one, I had no capacity to give that um, whatsoever. So that, you know, although that's the other end of the scale, I wasn't operating from a very, a very emotionally secure, healthy place there either. So that is why the only two things I can compare to are two things that I, yeah, my two relationships where I wasn't. Um, and then in the time being single, there has been many a up and down. Um, but I think I'm more myself now than ever before. And that is as a result of being single and I wouldn't be who I was Mm. and know what I know and be able to approach life like I do now had there been someone else in the picture. Um, And I'm really proud of this time being single and I wouldn't, although it's been difficult at times, particularly through lockdowns and like, I wouldn't change it for the world because ultimately it's exactly Um, it's brought me to who I am now, which I think is a very emotionally secure, um, healthy person who still, gosh, still has all the kinds of things going on, but I can recognize it. Um, and I think I would bring that to a relationship and hopefully then be in a much more emotionally secure relationship. (sighs) So that is my answer. Good answer, girl. (laughs) Is that good? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, good answer. All right. It's just going to be, it's so interesting, I think, because the work that you do, even if you have a, like maybe not the best response to something, like say rejection when you're dating, I think the recovery time, even the emot- emotional stability shows up in your recovery period, whereas yeah. before it might have taken me weeks to pick myself back up after something not going quite according to plan and now it could be like a day of rest or even a couple of hours or in the moment you just brush it off and you can kind of move on I think those are all good signs that you're uh, emotionally maturing as well and I think that's a really good point I see that in you and I think as well like um, a very recent example is even um, I went on a date with somebody and then they ghosted me and then I quite liked them. And then 10 days later, they finally replied. I liked them. Yeah. And, you know, I spent about a, a couple of hours in that kind of sadness, not really because I didn't know him well enough to fully be upset about it or anything, but just like the kind of the shitty feeling of being rejected of like putting yourself out there and then it's not really reciprocated. And I just let myself kind of sit in that for a few hours and feel a little bit shit and turn on sex in the city and just like have the dog in, you know, and just be like, you know what? I just feel a bit shitty right now. And I'm just going to let myself feel a little bit crap and a little bit sad and a little mm. bit rejected and a little bit like life is not effing fair <laughs> or what it, you know, what's wrong with me. And then like within a few hours, then it just lifted. And I think maybe old me would have tried to escape or numb or act like it was all totally fine and whatever. I didn't even like him anyway. Whereas now I was like, you know what? No, I did kind of like him and that does kind of suck. And I do feel a bit crap. And I'm just going to feel it. And then within a few hours, poof, mm. lifted and yeah. done. So maybe that's a sign of growth as well. I'm not so sure. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Are you ready okay, for you? I'm stressing out right here. No, right. I'm like <laughs> freaking the fuck out here. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. Okay, uh, my next term. 
I actually have like butterflies in my stomach. Oh, okay. What is the one thing you want to change about yourself? Oh God. What is the one thing I want to change? Okay. <clears throat> this is, I going to say, God, I feel awful. Am I, am I going to say like an awful thing and be judged for it? No. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to say, it. I'm going to be honest. If I could change one thing about myself, I would change my parents. Mm-hmm. And I know that my parents make me who I am. And I know that I've done a lot of work on my relationship with my parents. And for everyone who doesn't know, my dad was physically abusive and my mum psychologically. Uh, she has a personality disorder. But I just wish, like, I just think my life would have, sometimes I feel resentful still, even all the work that I've done, because I feel like my life and things could have just been so much better and easier. I could have focused on doing the things that would have felt true and real to me sooner rather than trying to figure them out mid-30s and as a mother myself uh, if I'd had different parents. So if I'm being – like, there's not a lot I would change about myself, really. And even my parents, I've accepted, I guess, that that's them. But if I if I had to pick something, I, I definitely – often look at my auntie, my mum's sister, and I think to myself, I wish you were my mum. She's just that mum that I imagine mums to be. So that means I guess I have these expectations of what I, you know, want and need from my mum. And I'm still learning to let those things go. And and I do have a good-ish relationship with her, but it's very surface level because she does have personality disorder. So it's, it's hard to connect with her more deeply. But yeah, if I was to pick one thing, that would be, that would be it. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's really hard. I yeah, I I think yeah, it is hard. Yeah, it is hard. A- I do get, I don't get envious of like people often, other than when they have you know because I really want that for myself. And mm. but I I do have at least the foresight and the awareness to understand that maybe this is my karmic like lesson maybe the lesson was for her and not for me uh but I definitely would not be the kind of mother that I am if it wasn't for the kind of parents that I had so yeah that would be my one thing I can change I'm curious about that what do you think is you know I know you obviously just mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. that there was physical abuse and emotional abuse um so it feels uncomfortable asking this question but I'm I know you would understand where I'm coming from, I guess, what is the growth and what are the lessons and what is the, how has that shaped you for the, you know, for the best for who you are today? Do you think it had that not been in your life? Oh my God. I can count many ways. I think one is um, like, uh, I suppose in my parenting, it helps me uh, drives me towards like finding the tools to help my son learn how to communicate how he's mm. feeling. Because I think my parents were very typical, you know, like bought my, I have four brothers. And so my brothers are very, um, you know, harden up, toughen up, don't cry. Boys don't do this. Boys don't do that. And I see that anger sort of turned inwards with all of them uh, and they have difficult pro- difficulty processing their emotions, difficulty processing their anger. And, and because of that, they make, I wouldn't say like bad decisions, but probably not the most evolutionary decisions for themselves. So it helps me to, I suppose, bring that 
understand what I'm feeling, how to express that, how to not hold on to that, how to communicate better, how to teach my son how to express what he's feeling and communicate himself better um, so that all of that rage isn't directed inward. Uh, what else has it done? It's taught me that it's opened the door to me to gentle parenting because uh, my parents were very like disciplinary and or is it authoritarian? Authoritarian. Authority. You're authoritarian. Uh, so I much have a more eye to eye um, approach with my parenting, and I you know talk to my son about what he's done, not not necessarily like I'm right and you're wrong experience just so many ways communication understanding myself being deeply connected to myself how i show up on my parenting and i think just my ability to have compassion for other people and no judgment for what other people are going through because i can see that that's their wounds speaking because i was a product of my own wounds the shitty behaviors the things that i was doing was because i felt so fucked up in myself uh yeah, so I think that's how it's sort of helps me. Not smacking my kids, my kid, you know, that was a big thing for me. Um, I didn't want him to be afraid of me. I didn't want him to feel like the world is such a big, scary place and so is home. I wanted home and myself to feel safe. So it's all been like amazing gifts, but still as a woman, I mm. just sometimes I just wish I had that relationship with my mum. Sometimes I would just like to feel like I'm cared for or someone can you know, hold space for me or, or, you know, just be there for me in the way that I am there for my son. Sometimes it feels, I always use the word ripped off. Sometimes I feel really ripped off. Mm. And that's so valid. Yeah. To think that, I think that's so valid to think that and feel that considering that we're, you know, that since forever sold that narrative of what a mother figure looks like and talks like and feels like, and then to feel like maybe yours doesn't quite match up to that would that I, I feel, yeah. I imagine that um, sense of feeling ripped off doesn't really ever go away. No. And I have the cognitive awareness that here's me putting expectations on her as a woman to be all of these things. You know, I have that awareness. I know that that's not fair. I know that she doesn't have the capacity to give that to me because of her own childhood, her own wounding. Um, but at the same time, like I deeply feel like within myself, a hurt that I feel like sometimes there's no relief from because she's Mm. never going to be able to, because of her personality disorder, Mm. she's never going to be able to give me the validation that I need even to say, yeah, you're right. Or I'm sorry. Like I'll never get that. And so that feels that's the ripped off piece. Yeah. And then that kind of just, I know with people I've dealt with, with personality disorders, the never feeling getting acknowledgement or apology you then just have to kind of um, soak that back in within yourself. Like it just kind of then simmers within your own body and consciousness because that has nowhere to go. You can't talk it out with someone that who will understand and apologize. So it just, yeah, gets absorbed Mm. back into you. And that can, I know with me simmer into a lot of rage, (laughs) a lot of anger. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's is, I don't know if it's, yeah, sometimes it's anger. Sometimes it's anger, if I'm being honest. Um, and I talk to my teacher about it a lot, and she's always encouraging me to favor big self, you know, favor the bigness, the vastness of yourself, of your experience, of the universe. And I do, but I also am human, 
having a human experience and sometimes that feels very small mm-hmm. um so yeah so that would be the one thing that i change but it sounds like to me you're such a circuit breaker you know you had a certain experience growing up and you have done a full 180 determined for then your child not to have the same upbringing so whenever there's a circuit breaker in a family lineage it's going to be tough <laughs> it's going to be freaking tra- tough because you're breaking a whole way of being and um that can sometimes just also, feel so much yeah. so heavy and sometimes you just don't want to it do it feel- like i know you also like to. you don't have a lot of ex- you you do it but you also don't have a lot of examples like mm. to help like, I, I guess when you're leading the way there's no one to follow you got no map left behind for you to figure things out you're just trying to uh, you know even me now i'm just making this i'm just guessing yep. and hoping for the best really um and then when your own shit comes into it be a free- <laughs> You know, and then your own shit comes in you like, therapy. <laughs> and you're like, I'm tired. I don't want to deal with everyone's crap today. <laughs> I've got to deal yeah. with my own, but you're doing an amazing yeah. job though. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You are. Um, okay. Your turn. Okay. All right. Thank you I for feel, being so vulnerable. I feel like something bloody lighter than that. <laughs> <sighs> okay. I hope you're all enjoying this new format of lemonade. <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh, I like this question. Okay. What seems easy for everyone but you? Oh, I saw this one and I was like, I bet you I'm going to get that. I knew someone was going to get it. What seems easy for everyone but you? Okay. Bloody losing weight. Oh, well that, yes. Uh, What seems... (laughs) Yes. Getting over heartbreak seems easier oh, really everyone but me i was speaking to someone just the other day who has gone went through some kind of similar to what i did only a couple of weeks ago oh maybe like a month or two ago and i was speaking to a mutual friend i said oh how are they and she said oh yeah she's totally fine now it's all good it's all fine it's all better now and i was like Great. Four years on, <laughs> I still am having therapy. So, and it, 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 that's something that's come up many a time. And I've said to my therapist many a time, I feel like A, B and C have, you know, went through something similar or kind of similar or worse or not quite as bad, but they're better than me. And they're, you know, they've, they're healing better than me and they're coping better than me and their life is better than me. And they've moved on quicker than me. And they've, you know, they might have a new partner or even new children or even be married. And I still sometimes feel stuck in this, in a lot of the grief and sadness and anger and betrayal and, um, kind of stuck in between worlds. Like sometimes I feel like I'm in this new version of me that I spoke about earlier. And then other times I feel like kind of triggered and I'm back to where I used to be, maybe not as severely. And I'm sure my therapist would dispute that as well, but that's just how it feels. And I just feel like people have gone through what I have. It's not that interesting. It's not that unique, but somehow they've forged a path quicker and better and easier than I have. And Mm. I don't know why I find it so hard. 
that's me being very honest. And it's a bit embarrassing to admit, to be honest, because I always wanted to have a facade of um, having it, you know, of being able to do it and being the girl that can heal herself and being the girl that can, um, knows how to put one step forward in front of another. And part of me does resonate with that version of me, but another part just sees me still being pissed off or angry at kind of things I would have been angry at two years ago. And I'm like, how are we back here again, Elizabeth? Like, what are we doing back here again? Why is this still sticky or painful or uncomfortable? Or why is this still bringing up these memories or feelings? That is very vulnerable to admit as well that that still comes up. So it just sometimes just still feels hard and it feels too harder than it should be. And no one else seems to be having such a hard time of it. Yeah. I mean, like from my perspective, I'm just going to say like two things. And one is this, this comparison that we all have in some way, shape or form, you know, causes us to judge ourselves and shame ourselves. And we get stuck in that shame cycle, which is so unhelpful because then we're focusing on how we're not through it and how we're not good enough and look at X, Y, Z. But we're all, I mean, I know you know this, we're all so different. We all have such different experiences. Like say Jane Doe, of course she got over it because maybe her mum taught her something about moving on. Maybe she's avoidant. Maybe she's uh, mm. was, you know, had emotional abuse when she was younger. And so she already has that survival mechanism that causes her to turn off from pain. Like there's so many unknown factors, which is why comparisonitis is so pointless because you have no idea what previous, this, this that could have been her fourth relationship when yeah. that happens. Used to it, you know, it's so easy on the outset to judge your own experiences by comparing it to what you assume is somebody's similar experience. I mean, maybe she didn't have a child with them. Who knows? You know, it's so unhelpful. And then when we start judging ourselves, we get caught in that shame cycle and it's so unhelpful because it's such a waste of energy. You're spending all this time. I do it as well. Mm. We I spend all this time judging myself and shaming myself and, and just, you know, it's almost like I'm punishing myself for not being better. Yeah. And that feels good. You know, I don't deserve to feel any better than what I'm feeling. So yes, the world's shitty and I'm going to make myself feel shittier because that's what I'm worth. And it's that, that needs to be interrupted. Not so much that, okay, well, yeah, grief's coming. Just same with my mum. You know, yes, I feel ripped off. Yes, I feel resentful. I feel really angry right now. Maybe I deserve to have this. Uh, maybe I'm I'm not worth anything more than this. You know, I must have done something so bad in a past life or as a child or mm. something like that for, to to warrant this behavior. But ultimately, you know that that experience of punishing myself further is so unhelpful because it, it's firstly it stops me from actually just feeling it and letting it pass you said the word sticky it feels really sticky Mm, mm -hmm. and it feels sticky because I'm attaching to it because I think that's it that's what I deserve yep and if I can just like say like I did it the other day and I interrupted the thoughts and I was like okay this is not helpful for you to be thinking this and I literally opened up my Instagram to this post by a millennial therapist and it was oh I love millennial therapist I so do I and the post was it was just you know how it was it was right on my screen I love it when this happens yeah and I'll just read it because I felt like it was so relevant and it said I am going to keep resisting the fact that I deserve to forgive myself and it had crossed out keep resisting so what was left was I am going to forgive myself 
And I mean, ultimately that to me is what comparisonitis and judgment and shame is all about is like not forgiving yourself and not thinking that you're worthy of more. Yeah. And you just interrupt those thoughts and be like, no, I'm worthy of more. I forgive myself. It's okay for me to feel shitty about this and, and, and still be moving forward and evolving because you can't go backwards. Yeah. And you know, with everything I said just then, I'm sure, um, you would agree and our, our many therapists would agree (laughs) and my best friends would agree. They'd be like, no, what are you talking about? Like this kind Mm. of, this exact thing happened to you three years ago, you would be an effing mess or, you know, you'd go crazy. Like now you just kind of shrug and scoff and like move on. And that is so true. So I am being incredibly hard on myself. It's just, Um, sometimes when you just hear, you know, someone who for a frat gone through something similar and they're fine and I'm doing in quotation marks, fine within a very short amount of time, I just think what, like, how is, how is little things still bothering me and you're fine. But, um, and you know, I think a big part of it is that I believe in feeling it all. You know, I spoke about that just a little, you know, what was it? 10 minutes ago about letting myself just feel the icky feelings. And I think a lot of people don't do that these days. Um, and they, you know, not always, of course, but they do move on and I moved on quickly and that was just kind of trying to numb those feelings or they chase things or they, they immerse themselves in career or something like that just to not feel the pain. And exactly, um, I do feel it. And, um, because I just feel like if I don't, and if you don't, it is just going to come back worse and in other ways and i think ultimately distracting yourself is just literally pushing it down hoping it'll go away and it doesn't it Mm. just doesn't no it it never really i've tried trust me work for a little while (laughs) yeah it'll work for a little while and then it just bites you in the ass in some other way yeah and i feel like i do want to you know it's impossible i read something amazing it might have been millennial therapist or someone holistic psychologist saying something like it might have been holistic psychologist actually you can't wait until you're fully healed to re-enter the world again because that is just not in line with reality because you're never it's going also to- not relevant yes yeah, so not relevant yeah, it's never but i think the perfectionist in me and i'm sure some other women will think i can't be ready for that until i you know am not triggered whatsoever but i think you can still feel like you're healing and still feel like you've made leaps and bounds which i certainly think i have um and mm-hmm. i really like the person i am now um and still have little things that set you back and still be ready to move on with your life as well. Like, I don't yeah. think you have to wait until you're a complete, whole, healed, perfect person to. I mean, you'll be fucking waiting forever if you have to do shit like that. Totally. You'll literally be waiting forever. All right. I think we've <gasps> I've yabbed enough. It's time for you. Yabbed? Blabbed? Hey, <laughs> yabbed? Yabbed. Okay. Sure. Very Australian of you. Very. I don't even know if that's a word. Okay. Oh, this is a good one. Oh, shit. No, I'm nervous. Hang on, wait. Give me a sec. Okay. Okay, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> when was the last time you felt like everything is out of control? Ooh. Um, I don't know if I ever have. I don't know if I've ever felt like that, but that's because my coping mechanism is control, controlling mm. situations. And so I certainly had times where I felt I'd probably say I feel more overwhelmed than out of control. I've certainly had times where I'm like, oh my God, 
I'm juggling so many glass balls right now and one of them is bound to drop. But I think that I'm, I have been in the past a very control freak, like very much a control freak. And, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say the only times I felt out of control was as a child where you feel like disempowered because you have no autonomy, no sovereignty over your life. And I've, I felt like that to me is felt out of control where I've, mm. where I'm not in charge of my own uh, reality, but mm. beyond like the minute I moved out of home, like I have been a control fucking freak mm. to the point of like, very unhealthy behaviors where I've been trying to control other people's experiences and mitigate risks and judge how people are going to react and, and how things are going to be perceived and all of that kind of stuff. So I would say I've been more overwhelmed by trying to manage my control Mm. and all the ways that I'm in control than feeling out of control. One thing that came to my mind when you, I asked you that question and you were answering then, and you've been very honest talking about it on your Instagram. And I think Mm. this might fit into it as well is your experience and journey with alcohol and drinking. And now you don't do that anymore. So I feel like that might fit into that might be something that you didn't feel in control of. And then you went, you know what, this isn't working. So I'll let you, I'll let you. Yes, actually you're so right. So whenever I used to drink and it was really funny because I started sharing some stories and they all ultimately ended up with me blackout drunk and not remembering any fucking thing that I did. And I think even then that was me taking back control in a healthy way, I think. But totally. I used, I think I just, I think that because I was so controlling in my life, that drinking was a way for me to let loose and let go yep. of control. But then I would do it to the extreme where I was so out of control. But of course it was the alcohol, it wasn't me. It's because I got so drunk. It's because I was with XYZ, who's a big partier. It's because it was a big event out. You know, it was always someone else's fault or something else's fault and I'm lying. Yeah, but I would always get so drunk that I literally could not remember anything. And then I would, you know, same thing, wake up the next morning. Oh, you did this. Oh my God, who's this photo of? Oh my God, I status updated this, whatever it is. Um, yeah. And then, so I think it's four years ago now. Yeah. It was when we one, first yeah. started catfishing one another four years online. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you and think? I just had another blackout thing and it was, that was yes. it. Yeah. How do you think that um, quitting alcohol has helped you regain control? I think quitting alcohol has helped me realize that there's better ways for me to be managing um, stressful situations in my life or uncomfortable situations in my life without numbing myself with alcohol or giving myself feeling like I need to give myself permission to tap out with alcohol. You know, like, oh, I've had a bad day parenting so hard I'm tired I'm gonna have a drink that feels out of control for me because that feels like the only way I can do that is by having a drink there's no self-responsibility or empowerment or sovereignty in my decision making Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I need something else outside of myself to fix me to help me navigate this that's where that piece comes in whereas now because I removed that piece from my experience the alcohol gone okay, well, I actually have to sit and feel what I'm feeling. Okay. I have to actually sit and, and, you know, be uncomfortable intentionally and be okay with it. And how am I going to manage that? And that empowered me to come up with, I guess, healthier ways of, you know, expressing that. Mm. 
Oh, I love oh. that. What a lovely way to finish, I think, with that piece. I know. Okay. That was fun. I feel like you I want to do five more. I know. Yeah. Maybe we'll do them offline because everyone's going to be like, can you two stop <laughs> just, ourselves? Just, <laughs> should we just ask ourselves questions? Um, well, thank you so much for being on The Juice once again, Monique Barry. It's a pleasure to have you back. It's a pleasure to be back. And everyone has missed you. It's so good to be back. Everyone's always like, you know, and everyone thinks it's your podcast and you always get messages about your, I your think podcast. I got it. I even got a pitch, a pitch letter to my email. <laughs> hey, I'd love to be on <laughs> Lemonade. I'm like, uh. <laughs> yeah. So we're all thrilled that you're you're back talking to us and me and all oh, your fans. You. So, yeah. Um, I'm so happy to be back talking with you as well. And I just think this is just so much fun and I'm really looking forward to I'm really looking forward to being more vulnerable, I think, and just like laughing as well, because I think people get so serious about spiritual work and emotional work, and yes, it's a serious business, but also, like, it can be funny, you can laugh at yourself, <laughs> laugh at the dumb shit you did once upon a time. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much once again, and you'll be back in our earphones in four weeks. Yes. Thanks, darling. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.